to keep you entertained before I dispose of you. <laughs> And welcome to Retrovaniacs, our first Halloween episode. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Boo. And Jeremy Gregory. <laughs> this podcast is scary enough. We don't we don't actually need <laughs> Halloween episodes. That's true, but we do have them. In fact, this is our seventh year of Halloween episodes. I had to go back and make sure. But we've Jesus. Been 2015. That, that's, that's about the most... That's frightening. That, that in and of itself is frightening. It is frightening. And we're going to revisit a series we talked about a couple years ago when we covered the first Resident Evil. We're going to be talking about Resident Evil Code Veronica. But before we get into that, we normally talk about what games we've been playing. But I'm going to go ahead and say, not only do we want to just jump into this game because it's Halloween, but also pretty much we've all been playing Metroid Dread. And uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's fun. And we haven't been playing it long enough to give it a full review. But also, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. So instead of awkwardly talking about a game we don't want to spoil or talking about the first 10 minutes of a game in my case because i've not put a whole lot of time into it yet let's just cut right to the game and talk about resident evil code veronica Here we go. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, I picked this one up when it came out. Uh, why wouldn't you? Uh, I mean, this was hot off the heels. Resident Evil was the, the fucking the, the big shit at the time. Uh, if you were a horror nut like me, uh, it, you know, it was a sure thing. You're going to try these games out. And, uh, you know, still at the time this one came out, I was I was pretty high up on the series. You know, one was 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 incredible. Um you know, we we talked about going back to play it, some of the pitfalls. But I mean, for what it accomplished and and kind of what it meant to a, to an entire genre, uh, it, it was sort of undeniable. Uh, and it's it's one of those it's it's special to play through just because of, you know of what it was. And two, uh, which I just I, I I still found to be the the pinnacle of, of you know what are considered those early Resident Evil games. So you know when this one rolled out, uh, it was you know, it, it's one of those you purchased it as soon as you fucking saw it because why not? It's more Resident Evil. What could go wrong? And I, I was there day one to pick this one up at my local Target as soon as they got it in. It's uh, you know I was I was a real big fan of uh, Resident Evil one and two and and three was fine, but you know I, I was really waiting to see what that next gen kind of Resident Evil would be like and. I happened to be lucky enough to own a Dreamcast at the time, and mm. uh, I was I was really looking forward to seeing what they could do with this on, on a much more powerful system. So yeah, I was there day one, grabbed it, and uh, it did not disappoint for I think about one fourth of the game, <laughs> or maybe a little, a little maybe up to a half of it. It it did not disappoint. Uh, it lived up to every expectation. I thought like a a real. Resident Evil going from, you know, the the tired old PlayStation to the brand spanking new Dreamcast, you know, how how awesome that could Well, and this is technically the fourth Resident Evil game. It's not Resident Evil 4, but as far as chronologically of being released, uh, Resident Evil came out in 1996, like I mentioned. We talked about that in uh, in 2017 mm -hmm. on episode 57, if you want to hear our thoughts on Resident Evil. Uh, we kind of summed up here already that it's a, it, it's a good game and kind of for the genre, it's it's a very important piece. Uh, but then Resident Evil 2 came out uh, in 1998, also for the Sony PlayStation. Uh, and uh, Resident Evil 3 came out a year later in 1999. Now, we didn't cover Resident Evil 2 and 3. And full disclosure, I've only played about 20 minutes of Resident Evil 2, and I've never played Resident Evil 3, uh, mm -hmm. either the original or the remakes. Which, you know, I don't know how I've skipped those games. I've played Resident Evil 1, 
four, five, uh, one of the the Revelations games on the 3DS, I think. I mean, I've played a handful of Resident Evils, yet I've never played two and three, and I had not played Code Veronica until this podcast recording. I also had a Dreamcast. I think we all were, were Dreamcast supporters. None of us here really avoided the system, yeah, but yeah. I wasn't a big Resident Evil guy. As I mentioned when we talked about the first Resident Evil, I could never get around the controls and how bad I was at it, so I, I never really put a lot of time into those early Resident Evils. It wasn't until four that I was like, okay, now this series you know, clicks for me. I really like it, and I continued on from there, but I, I really didn't play the first one uh, through this game, uh, except for for this podcast. So I kind of, story-wise, was slightly lost uh, with this game. Uh, as, as Jerry mentioned, this came out, it's kind of the first next-gen uh, Resident Evil game. This came out for the, the Sega Dreamcast. It's actually kind of uh, came into being because they were trying to do a Sega Saturn port of Resident Evil 2 and realized they couldn't. Uh, but So they took kind of the work they did on that, made a game uh, that they weren't going to put on the Sony PlayStation, and this was being developed at the same time that Resident Evil 3 for the PlayStation was. It just came out a year later. Uh, as as you might assume, since it was on the Sega Dreamcast, it did not sell very well compared to the other games before this in the series. However, for a Dreamcast game, it sold incredibly well. So that's kind of a double-edged sword of putting out a game on the Dreamcast. Uh, unfortunately, I, I loved that system, but it just didn't really hit the mark where it needed to. Uh, so a lot of people, probably, even massive fans of the series, didn't have a chance to play this until they did re-release it uh, a year later as Code Resident Evil Code Veronica X for the PlayStation 2. Now, for the purposes of this podcast, did either of you play this for refresher on the Dreamcast, or did both of you play Resident Evil Code Veronica X on the PS2, which is how I played it? Um, I, I originally um, you know, worked through it on the Dreamcast. This time around, it was the, the PS2 version that I, uh, I played through on. I played the the Xbox 360 release of it, remastered. Mm, mm. That's uh, it's on Game Pass and it's right there. I do still have my Dreamcast copy around somewhere, mm. but I didn't feel like hooking up the Dreamcast and everything when a perfectly playable port was was on the uh, Xbox. Well, and for the most part. It is the same game. I mean, the, the actual gameplay is basically the same. They added some cutscenes to Code Veronica X that kind of tie into the mythos of the series, I guess, uh, that try to, to, to tie together a few more things. But generally, you know, if you were someone coming out of the box like I was and starting with Code Veronica X, you're not missing something by not playing the original, and you're also not missing something if you happen to have a Dreamcast and play the original. You're not missing anything for this game, but some kind of cutscene backstory stuff. Nothing that would change the game. There's no extra bosses. There's no, you know, long extra action parts it's just some extra cutscene uh mainly involving a, a reoccurring character from a previous game uh that, that was not as he was in the game but it wasn't as explained i guess in the original release mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to get to that uh, i i think we'll talk about the plot loosely and then if we want to get into specifics later we can i'm not worried about ruining a game from 20 years ago necessarily but th that's the warning out there if you're playing through the resident oh, evil game somehow <laughs> and uh and you, you didn't want us to spoil the game. You probably want to quit this one pretty early and come back for for questions. I mean, the end, you, but, uh, uh, you can't ruin this fucking plot anyway. <laughs> what I, I, ruining a Resident Evil plot? I, I don't. I don't think there's such a thing. So, I, I mean, you can't ruin something that already started off ruined. Uh, I, I mean, we celebrate it though. Right. I think Resident Evil in general is a series that you kind of have to just go along for the ride. Right. You, you can't mm -hmm. worry that you don't. Mm -hmm 
you know, if you dig too much into the science, you're going to hate it. If you worry about the fact that everything's way too coincidental, whatever. Don't don't do that. Just come in like it's a B movie, enjoy it for what it is, and go along for the ride. I was trying to decide as a series if this, mm-hmm. if the Resident Evil series or if uh, Metal Gear Solid has a weirder arc of just disbelief, <laughs> where you're just like, just go with it, just just run, well, go along for the ride, and enjoy it, just accept for what it is. Uh, so I hadn't really played. Resident Evil 2 and 3, like I mentioned. So I have no idea, other than what I read, uh, as to how out there this game feels. But plot-wise, I think this is the game th- that maybe is where the series kind of goes a little nuts, and you just have to go with it. Just it, Even disbelief mm. has to be suspended. Just go with all of it. Just like, yeah, just, just accept it. This game is now, uh, everyone's a weirdo, just go with it. <laughs> More than the first three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I distinctly recall this one. Uh, I, I mean, I up till playing through it for this, um, had not played through this one again. Uh, this might be a little telling since, you know, the first time I got it. And I, I remember this one um, as the, as the Resident Evil. Um, where, and this says a lot, you know, because a, a lot of weird shit happens, even in those first three games. This is the one where it, 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 it went off the rails for me. Like, it, it, I mean, it went completely off the rails, and I remembered that going in. Um... But God, I was still freshly shocked all over again as I played through this and, and the story unfolded for me. I think this is Resident Evil's, you know, they they just really apparently just wanted to do sci-fi instead of horror. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, mm-hmm. some sort of sci-fi mm-hmm. horror. Yeah. And Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3 at least kept it kind of still in the horror genre. But I think this one is where they jumped the shark and just like, we just want to do sci-fi shit in this stuff. Uh, and... Yeah, the second half of this game basically turns into like a, a bad sci-fi movie that you would expect to see on that channel back when it existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, yeah, that's that's what it reminded me of. I, you know, even being a Resident Evil fan back then and trying to follow it, you, you can't. I mean, it's just you got. It's like Jeremy said, you just kind of got to roll with it. And I think Resident Evil more so than Metal Gear Solid has just kind of whatever their chronology is and. And how they follow the story and things like that. I just don't think they give a shit for the most part. I can't <laughs> even keep track of this timeline anymore. It doesn't make any sense. The characters are all over the place. I, you just It's impossible to follow. And if you want to throw in like the Netflix mini movies and stuff like that in there as well, it ain't never going to happen. We're not even talking about the movies, the Wes Anderson movie. Uh, or whatever. Who was that guy that made those movies? It wasn't Wes Anderson, I don't think. But yeah, but, it was not Wes. Those would be really great <laughs> Resident Evil. Oh, oh if man! It was Wes like, like a nice, yeah, a nice, you know, nice depressing one. Maybe you know, fucking throw you know Bill Murray in it and yeah. fucking yeah. Uh, no, I think we had Paul W S Anderson. Um, oh yes, yes. Yeah, uh, you know, you know his brother. I, I, they're not related, but you know his brother that you know instead of making artsy movies, just makes. Shitty ones that he yeah. he puts the same woman that can't act in. Jason Schwartzman is is not playing Steve in this. Movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is. Uh, it's we're not even talking about those movies. So I, yeah. I, I want to. Uh, I I would let's talk about let's let's hash let's just spend the rest of the episode hashing out the script for for, for Wes Anderson's Resident Evil. That would be the best Resident best thing that's happened to a Resident Evil movie ever so i i would totally watch that uh yeah no this uh the whole chronology and story of resident evil is completely gone to shit at this point and whatever they did to reset it with uh, resident evil 7 and sort of moving forward with that they're already kind of fucking with that with resident evil uh mm-hmm. with the new so yeah 
Um, I, I can't follow it, and you're you're damned if you do if you try. I think up to this game, you can kind of follow it uh, enough to to where just looking at the summaries, at least to kind of figure out who these characters are, uh, since, again, I hadn't really played the second one too much. The first Resident Evil, which, again, we covered, was the main two playable characters are Chris Redfield and Jill Valentine. Uh, they go to the... Uh, the, the that manor in the in the woods or whatever, and that's where the secret umbrella fortress is. That they've ended up uh, having some kind of quote outbreak that may or may not have been may or may not have been on purpose. And then you have to fight zombies and escape there. Uh, the second game is in the nearby city of Raccoon City, where the uh, infection is spread into the city, and that's where you're playing as Leon Kennedy, who's also a Stars officer, I believe, and uh, Claire Redfield, who is the sister of Chris Redfield. I don't know why she decides to go hunt for her brother who's like a secret agent, but she does. Uh, and then Resident Evil 3 is about back to Jill Valentine from the first game, uh, trying to escape Raccoon City as well. So this game, uh, which is, again, chronologically taking place the same time as 3 and a couple months after 2, uh, it is, again, Claire Redfield is the, the character you start playing as in this game. Still looking for her brother Chris, and she thinks at the beginning of the story that he's in a... In a umbrella facility in Paris so she breaks in realizes he's not there and then is caught and captured and is then sent to Rockford Isle uh, which you don't know anything about but she's been captive there uh, she wakes up in her cell and apparently there's been some sort of uh, disaster either an attack or something that is now unleashed uh, again more t-virus out all over this island and uh, with the help of a someone there for an inexplicable reason. I'm not quite sure why the person that captured her also was like, well, now that there's a problem here, I'm going to let you go. But he, he helps mm -hmm. you get out of your cell, and now you're wandering around trying to figure out where you are, how to get off this island. You know, is your brother in this island? Where is he at? Uh, and and it, from that point on, it, it controls like the original three Resident Evils. So this Resident Evil is still oh, yeah. tank controls. Again, I mentioned before that Resident Evil 4 is where the series kind of changes for me, and that's because the gameplay change styles. That's where it becomes more of a an action-driven game. Yes, it has horror elements to that fourth game still, but there's it's a lot more action. It's a behind-the-person the camera view. It's not that same tank controls. This still has tank controls, uh, which, you know, if, if you like that, great. And I've, I've learned to appreciate it. But if you've only played the remakes of Resident Evil and, and everything after 4, this is going to still be a shock to you about how how difficult it is to do some of the most basic things in this. Because not only is the tank control there, where you have to, you know, turn left and right to rotate your character and push the up button to walk in whatever direction they're facing, but it has those same camera angles that were a problem in the first three games. Where, oh, you yeah. know, if, if you're at the wrong spot trying to fight something, you can't make the screen scroll over your visibility you're just firing blindly down a hallway until you walk another foot forward and then it changes to a completely different camera angle where the guy you're trying to fight or whatever you're trying to avoid is now right on top of you because you didn't have a chance to see it beforehand so it, it's got the same problems we talked about with the original resident evil in that it is this this cinematic view tank control horror game where you go from section to section it doesn't scroll fluidly uh in you know throughout the whole map and you can't move the camera uh and this uh, it, it was a problem before it, it really, um, became a problem for me in this one. And, and it's for the reason that I, I had already mentioned the first one. I, I'm willing to overlook a lot just cause, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's the advantage you get for being, for being the first to really, you know, I, and I know you had your alone in the dark games before this and whatnot, but, but to be the first to really, you know, on home consoles, solidly kick off. You know that 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 genre, uh, you get some leeway. And, and the second one, I just I, you know, the controls were you know tank controls, which you know we we learned to work with. And uh, 
there's still some some awful camera work there. Uh, but I just, you know, I absolutely loved that setting. You know, so it, it had something going for it, too. I, it's still one of my favorite settings for, for a Resident Evil game. Um, and, and, you know, 3 did its own thing all right, too. Uh, you know, it, it was starting to, to kind of wear out its welcome for me. I think this was this has the distinction of being the first Resident Evil game that did not have anything kind of new and, and distinctive to offer me. So it really graded on me this time. Like uh, there was not, there wasn't that thing where it's like, yeah, the controls are rough and the camera's shitty, but I, you know, I sure do love this, or I, I sure do want to explore this setting. This is the first one that had nothing, nothing to give me. Um, and boy, I, I sure, <laughs> I sure changed my opinion on how well I could tolerate, um, you know, the, the controls and camera before. Uh, but it just, it, it, it's. Oh, it's a little rough. It plays a little bit rougher for me than any of the previous ones, which is it's it's strange considering it's it's the fourth one. And I, and honestly, fourth go around. Let's let's fucking tighten it up a little bit. Uh, for me, like the one thing that really kept me into this one was just how damn good it looked at the time. You know, we we went from those static CG backgrounds and stuff from the first three games. This one's fully three D. You know, the characters look great. The first time you, you get let loose in that island, uh, my God, it just looked astounding for the time. Super high resolution. Everything was just, you know, there you could, you know, you weren't just walking around in front of a picture. You were in the scene. And the game really tried to play that up with a lot more, uh, you know, moving cameras as you were walking around, uh, you know, more uh, action-y kind of camera cuts and angles and stuff that would move with you. And I don't. I thought that was really great. And the the visuals by themselves kept me playing through the majority of this game because I was mm -hmm. just gobsmacked by how good this looked. And taking into account that the only survival horror game that I had played before this on the Dreamcast was Blue Stinger, uh, then you <laughs> you already know that yeah. this was this was like being served uh, the the most expensive caviar you could possibly mm -hmm. get next to a, a rotting fish over here on the yeah. side. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it was a, it was a, and honestly, I think the first half of this game up, up until the uh, mansion or at, once you get past the mansion, I think is really great Resident Evil. The whole island setting, everything, uh, the little stories in there, let's just not mention Steve, but everything else <laughs> in the, in the first half of this game uh, is just, I think, really awesome Resident, really awesome Resident Evil game. Yeah, the, the island itself that you're on, Rockford Island, is some sort of old military training facility that they've converted into this prison area. And it also has, you know, obviously some sort of lab of some sort, because otherwise, how would this T-virus this gotten out on this island? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so you're doing the same thing you did in the original game, basically, where you're kind of figuring out exactly you know, how to get around this area, how to get around this base, but also, you know, you'll find connections to areas that are clearly more of a lab setting and getting some files and documents to kind of explain what happened here uh, overall that caused this problem. Uh, and, and I mean, we're going to get into the plot somewhat, and we have to discuss Steve uh, because he's part of it. Uh, but this, this game kind of is broken up, in my mind, into four parts. So there's the, uh, the first part of the game is on Rockford Island. I think that's the part Jeremy's talking about is the first half. It does seem to be the longest chunk of the game, and that is Claire exploring the island and finding a way off the island. Uh, to get to, uh, unfortunately, not to end the game uh, or, or save herself, I guess, story-wise. Uh, instead, they end up in a in a second facility in Antarctica, 
uh, that you'll have for that second uh, you know, piece of the game. So that's the first two parts of the game where you're playing as Claire for the, the most of the game. There's a little section where you get to play as the Steve character, who again we'll get into. But otherwise, you're pretty much Claire for that first... I would say that's the first half, but maybe that's the first two-thirds of the game uh, because the Antarctica area is smaller than the, than the island section is, uh, and it's a lot more streamlined for what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, and then for the second half... You do get to meet and and play as again uh, Chris Redfield, who has found where his sister should be and is going to to kind of come and save her after the events of the first two thirds of the game. And again, his section of the game also has you going from Rockford Island to this Antarctican base uh, to kind of come and and get get Claire back. So I think the first part where you're on Rockford Island, even with Chris, I guess his part as well. I I think that is a very well put together section. I think it is a little more sci-fi than than what you got with the first two games, but not as much as you get in the Antarctica base, which really is just completely out there. Uh, it it Billy, you mentioned this earlier, and and I wasn't sure because again yeah. I haven't played the second and third games, but this did feel to me like this was uh, you know the the zombies you run into. There are the liquor monsters again that were in the last game. They have yeah uh, like a giant spiders and stuff. They have they have monsters that seem like they're all recycled from previous games. Other than the bosses, mm-hmm. is there anything monster wise that's really new in this? I uh, playing through and 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 forgive me, it's been a little bit since I've done three, uh, I, which is even worse because I can only draw from one to two. I don't I don't recall. Uh, and and Jeremy, I, I, I would like to get his opinion, too. I don't recall a lot of uh, besides all you, you mentioned the boss a lot different um, from what I encountered, um, even going back to two um, and and maybe a couple things I, I can recollect from three. Uh, I just I don't know. I, I, I just I, I think it's sort of, you know, this one looks good. Jeremy did mention and I, I do have to back it up. It, it is phenomenal look i still it still actually looks really good uh it's phenomenal looking game it was a gigantic leap um you know from the previous but no i i i just i I feel like there's a lot of reused stuff in here uh jeremy did you notice any like enemies that were were different i i all looked old hat to me uh what were those enemies in the antarctic base oh god well there's the there's the bugs that poison you um, yeah, fuck, that's it. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, yeah, that's the worst part <laughs> of the game, hands down. The, uh, the, worst the enemies. The game. The, yeah, the ones that are in the Antarctic base are the ones that kind of uh, stray the furthest, I think, from your okay. Resident Evil stuff. But yeah, the, yeah everything yeah. that's on the island, uh, and you know, even the bosses. You know, it's all typical Resident Evil stuff. But yeah, that's that's really about the only time that that the enemies are where you're kind of like, ah, this, you know, it's a little bit different, but yeah. Yeah. Mm. Most, mostly what you're getting here are very nice, uh, newly rendered <laughs> versions of, of the enemies that you, uh, sat through in, in Resident one through. Uh, sorry about that little misunderstanding, but I thought you were another one of those monsters. Shut up. Make one wrong move and I'll shoot. Relax, beautiful. I said I was sorry. My name's Steve. Uh, so, so to get back to the plot a little bit, uh, so you're Claire, you're trying to escape this this facility where you're held prisoner. You manage to escape, and you do almost immediately run into this Steve character that Jeremy and Billy have both kind of mentioned in not wanting to mention him. But you have to. He's integral mm. to the plot to the game. Uh, Steve is also somebody who appears to have been a prisoner on this island, although you're not really sure why at first. Uh, Steve is... Is Steve supposed to be like 18 or 19? And he's definitely way younger than than Claire is. It's like finding a little kid you have to escort around like you did in the in the in some of the earlier games. This is like an 
more or less an adult, but clearly like immature. He's whatever age Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio was in time. <laughs> <laughs> That's who Capcom wanted to put in here. That's literally it. They wanted to put Jack in here. Mm. And, and so he shows up and he already, like literally from the first time you meet him, he's annoying, not only for his, his character and, and the, you know, the things he says and the fact that he clearly seems immature, but he also is a nuisance. Like, he shows up, and then he vanishes. Like, oh, let's go meet up in this other area. And then you don't see him again. Sometimes he has items you need. Sometimes, you know, you're trying to figure out what's... Like, he at the beginning, he wants to... He has an item you need, like this pair of pistols, and he won't trade it to you until you get him a better weapon. And then he just runs off. And you're like, well, I, I can clearly see if I had those pistols, I can get to the next section of the game, but I obviously need to go and find you an automatic weapon now to open this door with these pistols I need. Like, he seems to be more of a nuisance than anything else, to the point where I wasn't sure... For the for a long time, if it was going to turn out that he was like really behind this whole thing, if he was going to end up being like the the uh, antagonist mm. of the whole game, uh, he's not though. He ends up helping you get off the island uh, and and getting to this Antarctic base eventually. Apparently, he is the son of one of the military leaders that was there that also was turned into a zombie or something. Uh, I don't know. He he apparently was held captive because his father went against Umbrella and and now you know he's helping you get out. But yeah, he's he's a nuisance and his relationship to Claire. And I did play this whole game through, and I took my time with it. It seems like it's really forced, and and he's kind of supposed to be a love interest, I guess, and you don't realize that until pretty much the very end of the game. Uh, like, it's it's out of nowhere. Like, they just he's a nuisance. Other than helping her get off the island, then all of a sudden she's like, man, I love Steve. You're like, what? what? <laughs> What's going on with that? <laughs> but, but yeah, so she, she meets Steve, and then, you know, after doing the standard Resident Evil kind of thing, you know, finding... A statue with a gem in the eye, and you got to take the, the 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 gem out, and then the statue moves. All these other little like standard Resident Evil puzzles. I don't need to get into any of the specifics. I don't think any of the puzzles in this game are necessarily hard or difficult. I'm trying to think if there was one I was stuck on, and and generally the puzzles were not my problem in this game at all. My problem with getting through it and, and my difficulty was one, uh, I had forgotten how much I hate inventory management in Resident Evil games, the early ones, and this one starts hard. I think you only get six or eight eight character or eight slots for items and some of the guns you have take up multiple slots so mm -hmm. you have to do a whole lot of either not either using things so you don't have it in your inventory or running back to the storage boxes over and over and over again because i felt like i was always full like there was plenty of times where i even got to the next key item i needed to move the plot forward and i had to run back to a save box to drop off you know herbs or whatever the thing was that was filling up my inventory ammo for guns i don't have yet things you know so that i could get the plot forward i don't remember having to do that as badly in the first game but in this one i think it's a problem the whole way through it's not fun i mean it's it's resident evil so you just i expected it back then and i it there it is a problem it is a problem uh, especially as you know once you start getting multiple weapons that that take up those slots and stuff like that i could do without it but that's just how things were back then with Resident Evil games. So I didn't really mind it myself back then. Playing it now, I'm just like, yes, God, please. Just I'm, I'm tired of this inventory screen. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, there's a lot of things that, that back then I could really overlook with this game. And playing it now, it's just like, ah, you know, it's, this hasn't held up quite as well mm. as I had hoped. You know, we, we hadn't quite got to what Resident Evil 4 was going to do to the series uh, but for me, with with you know this, I was like, this is the future of Resident Evil inventory and all. You know, we are. Mm. Uh, I wish they could have just mm. made that a little bit bigger. But yeah, you're you're still in for that classic Resident Evil inventory. 
Uh, that's yeah, just haunt, haunted everyone for four fucking games. Yeah, the thing is, the inventory is about the same, but I feel like they give you shit in this one, hot and heavy. Yes. Like, more than usual. They, they, yeah, they, all do. of a they sudden, do. four games in, they decided to be very generous with what they give you. Um, and, and yeah, it's just, you, you find out. Like, you know, the old, the gripe in the old game is like, oh shit, I don't have, I, yeah, I, I don't have no shit. I don't have enough. And now it's like, please, no more. Um, it, it's interesting. And, and, you know, like Jeremy was kind of saying, um, you know, you, you get tired of it. Like it, it's hard nowadays to go back to a system like that. And, and you realize, you know, how much you kind of let slide. And I said that early on that I, you know, I, I, I let a lot of things slide in one and two, just because, you know, of, of what they were and, and how invested I was in them. And that's another thing in this one. I remember playing it at the time. I just, I, I couldn't, I just, I just wasn't into this. I, I I saw this one all the way through to the end. And I just, you know, I, I just wasn't that into it. And just things that I could stand about the series up till now. Um, I, I just felt this one either either didn't approve on or or made worse like the inventory uh, it's definitely it's a problem uh even in previous games uh you know you, you would you would fill that inventory up every now and then but I, I never made as many trips back and forth to 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 drop things off and and, and whatnot as i did in this one and it completely i uh, it kind of it really ruins like the, the flow of the game sometimes well, and I, let me just be clear that I'm a big inventory guy. Like I you actually, are an inventory guy. Yes. I like inventories and in games. I can sit there in uh, Divinity Original Sin and just go through everybody's, you know, inventory and the backpacks that they have and all the crap that's in it. I can spend an hour doing that and be totally fine and have a good time. But the Resident Evil games and in a lot of these games that that tried to mimic it or even before it, it just feels restricted. It's not fun. It's like when you're leaving things on the ground or you're just like, you know, it's just not worth it. I don't care. That's when it bothers me. Like, if you're going to give me an inventory, then put it in there. Let mm -hmm. me do my shit. Let me organize it the way I want. You know, you can... I, I even picked up, like, a, the Diablo 2 uh, remaster the other week. And it's, you know, it's kind of got a, a restrictive inventory in that. But it gives you just enough space that it doesn't bother me that much. Yeah. And it's always a quick portal back to town to put your shit in the fucking stash or whatever and go back. It's But with Resident Evil, there's always that run to get back to your stash and go back to where you were to, to get what you were doing done or whatever. And it's it's one of the things in Res the Resident Evil series I've never been a fan of. Well, in this one, and I'm sure the other ones do this as well, but I don't remember having this problem again in the first one. But, you know, even later on, you get something that expands your inventory to another two blocks. So I think you go from eight to 10 and you're like, Oh boy. And I have 10 items, but some of the puzzles, like I mentioned when we have to like pull, uh, pull these eyes out of a statue and then it turns, you have to pick up another item. It, it takes up a, a piece of your inventory to take the eye out of the statue. And then you just want the thing behind it when it turns. And then it's like, you don't put the eye back now. They're like, sure. But that means you need two open spots to get one item. Like it's little things yeah. like that. That doesn't seem like it's a big deal, but when you're already walking around with, you know, you got to make sure you have a healing item almost all the time. You want to make sure you have uh, your gun you're going to hold or whatever your weapon's going to be used and, and an ammo for that. And most likely a secondary weapon and, and a secondary set of ammo. And in some cases, like if you're using the grenade launcher, there are three different kinds of ammo. So you need three more spots for that, plus the gun for the gun. So, the, you know, it's like I felt like I was always short on space or I was risking that I was going to have to, you know, go either either do a whole lot of backtracking or just reload because I got to a segment where... 
oh, I need a better weapon than my pistol I'm using for almost all these regular zombies and stuff because I've stumbled upon a boss or something that's going to kill me a lot faster. Uh, my... I think that's, that's the thing. The, the fucking uh, weapons and ammo, well, maybe the ammo. The weapons should have never taken up an inventory spot. No. There should have yeah, just been a uh, spot for your equipped weapon, and maybe you, you're, if you've got a secondary weapon, you can keep that in your inventory. Mm -hmm. But your primary weapon should have never taken up inventory spot. Well, also, some of the items that take up, quote, inventory space, and I know this is a video game, and if this is my problem, my problem with, with the realism of Resident Evil Code Veronica is the inventory space. But it's the, the you know, if, if I have a grenade launcher that takes up one of my eight spots, why does a key for a door take up the same amount of inventory space? <laughs> like, it's a key. Like, things like a key should just go in your pocket. You, don't, you shouldn't need to waste inventory on that. You don't have to for the yeah. files that give you the information. Why do I need to for a key? I understand, you know, it, in game mechanics why, but it's super irritating when I'm spending half my time uh, managing inventory or making sure I have enough bullets or making sure I have enough healing items. And, and the healing items, you know, again, those herbs are you find all over the place. There's a ton of herbs, but you need to mix them to make it any good. So again, to get like a good healing item, you might need two, two other inventory spots just to mix these two together. Or you have to use the, the herbs as they are without mixing them, and they're barely mm -hmm. useful at all. I, I, when I play this game and the other Resident Evils I've played, I, I have two... I either fall into one or one of two categories. Either I don't use anything because I'm terrified I'm going to need it later, and I end up finishing the game <laughs> with like... You know, yes. a, a stacked inventory bit, box full of shit I should have used earlier. Or I just like, well, you know what? I have them. I'm going to use it because I'm trying to, you know, get through this game at the boss or whatever. In this case, it was, hey, I'm trying to finish this game for a podcast. So I'm using all my items as much as I can. And this led to my biggest problem I ran into, which is specifically certain boss encounters and not having any healing items. There's no way you can mm -hmm. go back and get more. If you don't have them in your inventory box or on your inventory, there's no more to find them. You know, I use them because I, I managed to poorly get through some stuff I shouldn't have had, and I should have just reloaded, but I didn't. And so uh, when you leave the, the, the island for the first time, you're heading to Antarctica, you have to fight a tyrant again. Tyrant returns from the, the first game. There's another one here in this, in, in this Rockford Island. And... You have to fight him a little bit. He's easy the first time you fight him because you're in kind of a long area and he kind of just slowly marches at you and you can fire at him a bunch and then run by. But when he fights you on this plane, as you're escaping, he <laughs> managed to get on this plane and they give you a space that is, I mean, tiny. I feel like I'm running around in, a, in like a, a bathroom trying to fight this tyrant that if he gets near enough to you and kills you in like two or three hits and the camera angles... Don't help because oh it's, fuck! There's one there's one angle altogether where you can't you cannot see him. You can't see him, you, and you need you to because that's where this button is. You need to use. It's like you have to cut yourself in this corner where you can't see him at all, and then hope he's not right there when you run out. And he has this like charge move he uses. I mean, I watch videos on it. Clearly, people online have figured or clearly people have figured out how to get through this boss with no weapons and just a knife. Great, good for you. I can't. So with mm -hmm. the right weapons, I'm supposed to have. I only had one like half-ass healing item to get through this fight. And I probably spent like half a day of real life trying to just get through this fight. And I almost thought we're going to have to do this podcast where I haven't played like half of the game because I could not get through this. I eventually did. And, and that's my, my warning to anyone playing this is make sure you have healing items <laughs> in your healing box. If you waste a bunch to get from point A to point B, just reload. Go back, do it mm -hmm. again, because you're going to get to certain points like this boss that if you can't just either, you know, Spend the time to master the awkward controls to like 
perfectly time getting by his dodge, his his charge attacks. Uh, just have a bunch of healing items. That that's what the strategy online for for most of these bosses that I was having problems with is. Oh, we'll just have a bunch of healing items. Well, that that's not really a strategy. That's <laughs> that's just telling you, hey, if you can't do this, just make sure you can heal constantly. Like just tank it. And and I couldn't. And so that that fight was the first time in the game that I really was like. I, can't, I don't know if I'm going to finish this. I want to, but I don't know if I can literally get through this. I was so frustrated, and I just managed to luck out one time and, and finish that fight off, and, and I was like, yes! And then I realized that I was only like a third of the way through the game. I think this is probably the res the, the hardest Resident Evil that's, that's come out. Mm. I don't know if Billy agrees or whatever, but... I, I, I think I do, I do, and I think it's, you know, for a couple of the reasons we've, we've been talking about here. Uh, it's there's more action to it for the most part because they mm -hmm. you know they can throw more enemies on the screen than what they could mm -hmm. on the PlayStation. You know there's a lot more shooting and action in this one, and, but you're still taking the same amount of damage almost as what you would the previous Resident Evil game. So like just you know getting hit uh, by two or three zombies or something like that, you're you know almost you're over halfway dead, and it's it does give you a lot more items. It does give you a lot more uh, you know healing herbs and things like that to combine. But yeah, like Jeremy said, if you start to use them all, or you're just you're not familiar with how Resident Evil is, you're just like, damn, I can heal whenever I can. And then you find yourself in those moments where it's like, oh, okay, what do I do now? You start the game over, or you mm -hmm. try to, or you mm -hmm. just try to work your way through what you're doing and and hope for the best. But yeah, it's I I think that this is by far the the hardest Resident Evil game that that's that's out there. Like three was challenging to a point because of Tyrant, uh, but or Nemesis, sorry. But I, there's part, there's parts in, in this one that it, it's just, it doesn't seem balanced right with what they were trying to do with the, trying to do more, more action in this one, I guess. Well, it's, it's trying to do more action with the, the limits that the controls give you. And in this case, it was literally like, and the, the second one I had a problem with, which is later on, is same problem. I felt like the area I was given to do this fight wasn't enough for me to maneuver well with these controls and the attacks were doing too much damage for me to survive. And if, if the way to get through it is just to have a whole block of healing items, that's poor design. I mean, it, it's one thing if that's one encounter and there's some kind of like way to make sure you have all those healing items and it's a timing thing. Sure. That's not what this is. Uh, and again, I've seen videos of people getting through uh, this, this incident and the uh, there's later on a, a part where, um, you know, Steve, we mentioned earlier, uh, is, is somehow transformed into a giant monster and you have to kind of get around him. And, uh, and that's another one that I didn't have any healing items left. So when I got to that, I was like, what am I supposed to do? He kills you in two hits if you're the full health bar. Mm -hmm. and, and even if you have like three healing items, you have to time it perfectly or you'll die before you get out of that room. And I was like, man, I'm back to another spot where I have one healing item inventory. It's not a good one either. So I'm only going to make it one hit extra if I manage to get through it. What am I supposed to do? And and I did find a strategy for that, but it was like I still had to get lucky on the attempt for it because mm -hmm. turning around and running in this game is not easy. There, there's a control, you know, it, it's tank controls, so you have to either you can slowly rotate around and then run with the circle button and push forward, or on the X on the PS2 version, I mean, um, or you can like tap the run button and down, and you'll do a quick turnaround. But then you have to also tap forward again and hold down the run button to run. It's like if you're off by a fraction of a second, then then that guy recovers fast enough that he'll hit you again. I don't know. It, 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 the problems I have with this game were all in the areas they gave me and the, the my inability to get around, to, to maneuver myself well enough. But again, looking online, it wasn't just me. That seems to be everyone's, you know, hey, the strategy for here is have a bunch of healing items. Like, well, that's that's not a good strategy. That's not, not good at all. Um, Let's all think 
Jesus for Resident Evil 4. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it came out and, and, and made and, all of this field completely clunky and unplayable for the most part. I, yeah, all you had to uh, do was put the fucking camera behind the fucking guy's back. Uh, who and it made a world of difference. I because four. I mean, it still had the tank controls, uh, but uh, but I feel like the way the camera, what the tank controls in combination with the camera in three and the 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 sheer, it couldn't handle the action that they they obviously wanted, or not three, but in Co Veronica rather, it it couldn't handle the action that they wanted to to give you in this one. It just it can't. Uh, it, there's no way those things do not mesh together. Um, for the kind of gameplay and you know, and the kind of uh, kind of precision you sort of needed in this one, and and timing. So, I mean, you know, and four, it's a weird thing where people don't think four had tank controls. Oh, it fucking did, but it it had that that camera that that you know that that third person, and it just it made a world of difference. And you know, they were kind of able, uh, and you can see like the natural. I know zero was in between. Um, you know, that and, and four, but I, you could see from this one to, to four kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's just more of what they wanted. And, and I guess what they, they would have done before if they, if they weren't a little more, you know, limited, uh, but it just, yeah, it, it made all the difference. That little camera change, it, throw me all the fuckers you want, you know, when, when you, when you take me out of that fixed camera, uh, it, it just, well, it's, I mean, tank yeah. controls where the tank is behind your camera is fine. That's no problem with that. Yeah. That's good. But, it's much easier. But but you throw in these, you know, these this fixed camera, and it's it's a world of hurt in this game. I feel like they've just, you know, they they were still trying to do what the standard was for Resident Evil, you know, the PlayStation. Mm. You had to have these cinematic cameras. You had to do this and you had to do mm. that. And they were, you know, they had a, a fully rendered 3D environment now, so they could do all this cool stuff with the camera. And there are sections where it is behind Claire or Chris or whatever, but it's yeah, yeah, predetermined. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's it's all the time. That's where you're at in the setting. But man, when it is behind him, you're just like, God, this is it. This is all we needed through the whole damn yeah, game. Yeah. And I think they could have easily pulled it off on Dreamcast. They were just stuck with what they thought Resident Evil should be at the time. And, uh, you know, that's just not how it ended up being. But yeah, it's it's... It's the worst of tank controls set in a very pretty game, it, it, but it still just, it hurts. It just hurts so much. I still think this is worth playing. I do want to make, make that clear. I didn't hate playing this because of these things, but they were definitely uh, kind of reminding me why I was so happy with the changes in the, the system after this game for the most part. Um, so we kind of talked about our complaints with the mechanics of the story, or mechanics of the game. The story itself, we've brushed upon, and I think without getting into just reading off a summary of the game, uh, the point where this game mm. immediately to me was like, oh, oh no. What's what's going to happen now? What What is the... Uh, am I going to enjoy the rest of this game or am I going to just now get annoyed? Is when you first meet what seems like the actual bad, you know, villain in the game, um, mm. Alfred Ashford. So this game in and this island is kind of managed by the Ashford family. Uh, technically, it's, it's uh, Alfred and his twin sister, Alexia, that are supposed to be kind of in charge of this. They are umbrella employees, apparently, and and this is their you know their their secret lab. They're kind of working on things to regain control of the rest of Umbrella or something like that. Is is the what you kind of think as you're going through this? But then, as you you go through, you realize that oh wait a minute, 
there may not be twins. It looks like Alfred is both these twins and dresses up like his sister because he's insane. And now I'm dealing with an insane person who's coming out and shooting me with a like a, a sniper rifle when he feels like it and then just runs off when you get close. Like the entire, I mean, Alfred Ashford in general was where I was like, oh no, like this guy is, com- he's almost too nuts for a game about crazy zombie monsters that don't make any sense on their own anyway. He's just, he's got like a military uniform. He's got like this foppish sound to him. Like it, it's, I was like, oh no, what is, what is this? It does, it does kind of work, but that, cause I think that kind of character shows up again in other Resident Evils. But for me, that was where I was like, uh, oh no. This is the beginning. I, is this the beginning of the, the super over the top Resident Evil characters? Like, is this the first one? In my I mind, it is, so. but I didn't yeah. play two and three enough to tell you. But yes, I, I don't. I don't recall him. He's fucking nuts, and it's it is off putting. Um, I, 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 you know, it's weird, and I've just realized. You know, I've 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 spent some time talking about how I couldn't accept <laughs> some things. You know, in this game that I couldn't the previous. Um, I, I couldn't accept this character in this one, but I, I'm fine. With over the top characters now, I guess I had to warm up to it, but I just, I just, I couldn't get, I couldn't get into this. Anything with this guy in it, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's just, play, it's so bad. It's bad, and the voice acting uh, for a series that is built on shit voice acting. Um, I mean, we, we might have the, we might have crowned the grand champion here. Um, this was the, this was the first villain where I was like, they've really went hard took took a hard right into anime territory here yeah yes yes yes. that that is probably um yeah that that nails it better than anything and it's it's enough i can't tell i'd have to go through and play future ones uh the the ones that came after this to tell you why (laughs) some other resident evil character over the top characters are more acceptable I, i i this one is just he's so out of place he might be the most out of place character i have seen in in this entire series and and i don't warm up to it like at any i mean you know we said at the beginning you go along for the ride and i you know i did but i i didn't even fucking buckle up for this one you know shit you know, throw me out of the car um i i went for the ride on this one but it doesn't it didn't mean i was didn't mean i was happy about it i i, I couldn't get into this character um at all um, I looked online, and it, it, it's it's really a fucking it's a split split opinion on this guy for the most part. But nah, not for me. I could deal with him more than I could too cool for school, Steve. And <laughs> I have. He and is, they're both he, both of these characters exist in the same fucking game. Yeah, yeah, both of, and they're both like that kind of anime stereotype of what you would totally expect to see in, in some random fucking anime show or something. And Steve, by himself, I could not, even back then, I was a big fan of anime, but I was watching it a lot. Yeah. I could not stand his ass. The mm-hmm. minute he got on there, just every, everything he did, you know, just trying to be this dark stranger, this, you know, helping Claire out. It's like, get the fuck out of here. I don't give a shit about you. Um, I actually did, you know, Alfred, I could care about because I didn't quite understand what the hell he was trying to do. Right, do or be, and he just seemed too fucking crazy. So that at least interested me in his character, even if it's completely out of place with what's been in Resident Evil before this. But yeah, it, him compared to Steve, fuck, I'll take Al, 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 Alfred any fucking day. Well, and and even with when you realize, like, okay, Alfred's just crazy. He's 
He's him and his sister. At first, I wasn't sure, is is Alfred the sister that's dressed up like Alfred? But it turns out it's Alfred dressing up like Alexia, the sister, at the beginning. And before you leave the island, Wesker shows back up, who was in the first game. Oh, boy. And yeah. I, at first, I was like, oh, that's happened later. No, it happens earlier, because I remember there's a, there's a whole scene with Claire uh, before she leaves the island where he shows up. But he's got, like, cat eyes now, and they try to explain yeah. that he, got, he has superpowers from the T-Virus that didn't kill him in the first game. Like, I, and these are all spoilers to the game, but again, at this point, I warned you earlier, we're going to get into them. But but after seeing Wesker again, I was like, man, I kind of like Alfred more. Because I, I just, like, Wesker, especially in, like, the later games, he's, like, the cartoonish supervillain, where everything he does, they're like, what? Why are they? You have all these, like, plans that are... You know, 17 layers deep. You're you're like a triple agent. All this other stuff's going on. And in this game, he shows up and he's got cat eyes and superpowers. You're like, what is happening with this game? So then when you, when he vanishes again and you go back to dealing with Alfred, just knowing that he's on the island somewhere, I, I, I liked Alfred a little more. And then the game actually surprised me. I don't know if it surprised you guys, but you guys have played this before. But when you finish that se- section in Ar- Antarctica the first time with Claire and, you know, think you've escaped and, and made it and defeated Alfred, there is an Alexia. Like, He's not just acting like yeah, his sister. His yeah. sister is there, and there's the whole giant... The whole second half of the game is really... Or, I guess, second, uh, the last third of the game is trying to figure out who Alexia is and why you know she was asleep for 15 years and, and what's going on with her and why is she essentially going to be the, the ultimate bad guy in this game. At that point, I was already like so far in, in I'm just along for the ride. I was okay with all of that. Like I, I was fine with all the the fake science and other stuff and in, in the why she would be the, the ultimate bad guy towards the end of the game. Uh, and I wanted to finish it because I needed to see how they were going to tie all this together. I, I think the game for me, it starts out really strong, and then you get to the Antarctica area, and I kind of lost a little bit of interest. And then when I got to that tyrant fight in the plane, I was just mad. And then after that, when you know the, the plot shifts a little bit and you realize that Alexia is a person and then you show back up as Chris again, I was back into it again because you're back on Rockford Island. He's you know trying to make his way back through areas you already know, but now there's a lot more uh, damage from the previous explosions and things that had happened at the end of Claire's chapter. Like I liked going back through areas I already kind of knew and trying to find new ways through them, either holes that were blasted in the wall or access to areas that before we just didn't have a key for. Like I liked that a lot. Uh, yeah, Chris's area. Chris's section works because it goes much faster. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the whole thing with Claire for the first half of the game, it does the classic Resident Evil slow pace, suspense, puzzles, things like that. You get to a mansion, fucking wish that mansion was like twice as long, twice mm-hmm. as big. Um, but after that, the game pivots, and I don't know why. But I guess maybe because they thought, you know, oh, we're in the Antarctic. We got Chris back over here in this section. We need to be a little bit more action. And I thought it was really cool when I when the game shifted to Chris. I was like, oh, fuck, Chris is back. I had no mm-hmm. clue that, that was going to happen. But I really didn't like, uh, you know, I did like going back through the island and, and it was quicker. I just never liked the whole more action pace of the game after the first mansion. I just, uh, you know, when it starts doing that... I'm, you know, it's cool, whatever, but I don't play Resident Evil for that, you know, and and even back then I was just like, all right, I've been here, this is cool that I get to do it as Chris, but whatever, you know, I kind of want to, you know, finish up the story at this point. Well, and it's long. This game is longer than the first Resident Evil and and apparently longer than the next two, Uh, you know, Resident Evil 2 and 3, based on what what I've read. Um, This game took me 11 and a half hours to get through, and that, again, was with some fumbling, but, you know, again, all my 
deaths and restarting on the on the two fights I was stuck on aren't included in that time. That's what the game included as my time for the end. That seems pretty long for this kind of game. I remember the first Resident Evil you could beat in like an hour and a half, and this one yeah. took me like ten hours. Again, I'm not speed running it by any means. I was not efficient, but uh, but this still seemed like a very long game. Like I would have been happy if the game would have ended at the tyrant in a plane fight. I mean. <laughs> As far as feeling like it was a good Resident Evil, right? I had a good time. It's a little short, but I'm okay with that. It was still probably, what, six hours of my time to get there? I was like, all right. And then it continues where I was just like, okay. Yes, I like going back to Rockford Island and getting through it with Chris. But then even that, by the time that was over, I was like, I'm ready to just be at the end of this game. I'm ready for him to get to, you know, get to Antarctica or whatever and just get to a boss fight and call it a day. But instead, you have to go through all that whole section with him. And then there's... Mm -hmm. Towards the end of the game, there's sections where you finally get them back together, and then you're transferring back and forth between both characters. And that also is a part where, if you have stuff on your inventory as Chris, when that switch happens, you don't have access to it when you're Claire. And that's the the part where um, Steve gets captured, and, you know, spoilers... Uh, Alexia gives him some of the T-cell virus, the super T-Veronica virus that will turn him into a giant monster. And you go to try to save him, and he you know, basically hulks out, and you have to fight this Steve in this tiny hallway. But all my healing items were on Chris because I didn't know it was going to switch characters. And I didn't want to go back you know, 20 minutes or whatever in my save, so I just kept trying over and over and over again to get through the section with you know, Claire with no healing items, like, the only thing I had was there were two herbs right there that I could mix together. So I had, like, a mixed green herb. That's all I have to get through a thing where every strategy I found online was, like, make sure you have two good healing items. I'm like, well, I don't. So what other strategy do we have? And the other strategies that I did find for that fight were if you have some of the better weapons, which, again, you could have been unlucky and left them on Chris as well. But if you have, like, the bow gun that you put the explosive powder on or a grenade launcher with the... The fire rounds. You can hit him with one quickly and he kind of flinches. And if you can turn around fast enough and run, you can get away from the first round of hits before he charges you and hits you with the axe once before you can make your way out. I did eventually do it. But that whole section, the fact that I had these items I needed, but on a character I didn't have access to, drove me insane. So when when you get through that section and you finally now are back at the more or less at the end of the game, you're you're supposed to be uh, Chris again, and you're you're gonna go save. Claire, who's now locked in a in a in the cell where she had this encounter with Steve, and you get mm-hmm. to what is essentially the last boss of the game, which is Alexia. Compared to the previous fights, I thought Alexia was very easy. As long as you have weapons, you haven't just been blasting them all over the place. You don't need to, and you have a strong weapon like the Magnum or the good grenade launcher or even the um the bow gun with the the the, the fire rounds. Yes, the last boss has several phases, but I was able to just basically just fire blindly over and over again until you get the the. Uh, the super cannon, you have to aim like a, a sniper rifle to do the last shot on that boss. And I had no problem with the last boss. Like, two tries, I was done. Like, whoa. Wow, compared to the problems I had with the earlier bosses in this game, uh, that boss, and then the... Actually, I forgot about a boss because they were so non-noteworthy. Uh, after you get through uh, the Antarctic section with Claire the first time, the end boss for her on that chapter is Nosferatu, which is basically... It looks like a tyrant with, like, spider legs that rip out of his back, but he just slowly walks around on this giant platform. So I was able to just slowly move and mm. fire a bunch of regular arrows at him, and he eventually died. I was like, that was a boss? That was... That was extreme. It took me a while, a number of shots, but I didn't have to heal or anything. I was just able to just blast them away. Um, And I felt the same thing about the end boss of this game. The end boss of this game, I thought, was also very simple compared to the other bosses. But again, if you didn't use your ammo conservatively, if you got to that fight and left your strongest weapons in your, you know, your crates, you have to go load back to the last saver you have one. Hopefully you have several of Mm -hmm. them and and get those weapons and bring them back to the fight to do it. But, uh, you know... 
I I know they haven't remade this one. I mean, they've done they've done HD remakes, but they haven't like remade it like they did the first Resident Evil so far. Do you think if they remade this game as like the fully redone 3D games like they did for Resident Evil One, Two, and Three, would this be worth playing? I I just I don't think the story really has anything to 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 offer. Um. I don't know. This has just always been an odd one to me. Uh, it's 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 definitely the one I remember the least. I I, I remember you know things about it as I was playing through. It's like oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I'll obviously I remember fucking Steve. I remember goddamn Alfred. I remember all the bad parts of it. Um, I don't know this game playing through it, and I. I I mean, this sounds harsh as shit, but it's not meant that way. Because I, mean, it's still, I, if you're a Resident Evil fan, yeah, go ahead, um, have at it. Um, but it's just, it, it feels like maybe out of all the ones I've played, yeah, outside those, you know, your Umbrella Chronicles, the ones like that, out of all the supposed main games, uh, th- I, this one just, it feels like the the most insignificant to me. I I would definitely play it. Uh, you know, if they they took it for what it is and. They did the Resident Evil 3 remake thing of densing it down to a, a more palatable size. I don't think this game needs to be as long as it is. No. I, it it could have been perfectly fine, like Jeremy said, just ending it after the first mission or the tyrant plane fight or whatever. Things would, that, yes, that would have been a perfect Resident Evil length, I think. But it just kind of goes on way too long. I think the scope is a little bit too broad going hard into the action in a game where camera angles do not welcome action at all is did, did not very work very well at all. Mm-mm. So it, I think if it was remade in more of the, you know, the resident evil two and resident evil three remake kind of way, I think it would be a much a more welcoming game. Anyway, mm. turn up the fucking inventory a little bit. So it's not Jesus. as annoying. Uh, and, and just maybe, really condense the the last half of that game in the, you know, maybe like an hour or two, and, and then we're talking. I still really enjoy this game. I got a lot of nostalgia for it, uh, especially for the first half of the game. It's just, I, I think it would be worth playing. You know, I think this is one of the, like you said, it's a forgotten Resident Evil game, but I don't think it's a bad Resident Evil game. I think there's a lot of cool stuff in here. You know, it may not have been played by anywhere near as many people that, that played the first three, but... Uh, God damn, I, it's it's a really good Claire game. I like Claire a lot. Uh, I You know, you got to fucking push Steve to the side, which, you know, ain't too hard because he's not that interesting. He's just annoying. I think Alfred's a cool little enemy. I think he's crazy. I think they could do some really fun stuff with him if they remade the game. Uh, you know, the whole twist that Alexi is still alive is a pretty cool twist, and having uh, Chris come in is fun. So I, I, there's a lot of potential there for a remake. And I think this game by itself still stands on its own as a good Resident Evil. But it's just, you know, by now, Resident Evil 4, the remakes, everything has just really made this uh, its a lesser game for, for most people in the Resident Evil universe. That's our 
thoughts on Resident Evil Code Veronica originally for the Sega Dreamcast. I think we did sound a little harsher than we <laughs> than we meant to. It it is if you like Resident Evil one through three, I'm sure you would enjoy this. But if you kind of like like me and and I guess Billy and Jeremy at this point appreciate what the series has done post Resident Evil four, then maybe this one's a little hard to go back to mechanically. But still, if you like those early Resident Evils, give it a shot. Um, every episode. During the year, we always ask people to send us questions, either by you know our Twitter page or our, our Facebook page. But the best way to do it is to go to Retrovania.net. On that page, there's a link to all of our social media sites, including our, our Patreon, which you want to join. We have extra bonus episodes that come out every month. This will be the first month we have three bonus episodes. But at the bottom, asked all those things, there's a little question form where you can put in any question you want. And assuming that what happened last time, where it cuts a question off halfway through, we will read that question and answer it for you on the show like we're going to do right now. Yeah, and, and Jeremy, you remember where, like, just a few seconds ago, you told people to go to Retrovania.net, scroll all the way down, and fill out the contact form? Yes. You know, we actually ask this, or tell people to do this every episode. And for the most part, people listen. But this time, you really listen. I don't know what the hell we said, but we got <laughs> way more questions in the last uh, <laughs> two, two or three weeks than we have ever gotten on this show and it's not even a bunch of fucking Willie Bolliday fucking people writing in. It's actual <laughs> legit questions. I can't believe it. And because of that, we may not be able to get to everyone that has written in. We are taking these by the ones that have come in first and going through, you know, the ones coming the latest. So please forgive us. We will get to it. But goddamn, uh, we've got a lot of questions to go through. And we're going to start off with Logan. I feel bad for Logan because I was actually supposed to read this question in the previous episode. I just completely forgot because he sent it to our Discord. It was a really bad, you know, thing to say about our Discord. We don't ignore it. I just totally forgot. It's usually in like a, this nice little thing on, on my email page where I get this stuff. But Logan wrote in uh, last on our Discord to say, since there will never be another fighting game month. Nope. Sad face. <laughs> yes, well, <laughs> never, never say never, Logan. Uh, what what in your opinion is the be is the best coolest funniest fighting game move like a Hadoken, Yoga Flame, etc., etc.? Also, best fighting game song of all time. Cheers, fella, and behave yourself, Billy. <laughs> I make I make no promises. Um, I mean, I, uh, best fighting game song. I it's got to be that. <laughs> if for no other reason. Than I think of it, it just it, it, it random times, uh, I and it's a, it's a title screen song, so I, I but surely it counts. I it's that fucking it's the Marvel versus Capcom two intro song, right? That's got to be the character selection song. The gonna take you for yeah, a ride. gonna take you for a ride. Yeah, <laughs> da, 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 yeah, I fuck, fucking right it is. Um, I, I can't tell you. Uh, it, it's almost it's it's almost terrible. Um, how often? <laughs> This song uh, pops up in my head um, just over the course of my day. And I say day because it is almost a daily occurrence. And yeah, I, that's, that's it's the pinnacle, right? I, it, it fucking gets you hyped up uh, for this game. Uh, you know, back when you would get hyped up for a Marvel versus Capcom game. I, now, you know, whew, you put that last one on and you're kind of sad. Uh, but I, this was back when it was exciting. So yeah, uh, my favorite fighting game... I, that's tough. God, there's a fucking lot to filter through, and they get really ridiculous, you know, over, over the years. Uh, I, this one's ridiculous, but it, it, not as much. Like, it's gotten worse. 
over time in other games. But I just, I fucking love that goddamn E-Honda. That fucking, the 100-hand slap. For whatever reason, is always, it's fucking devastating. And it's, it's, it's one of those that's amusing to me also. For whatever reason. Um, even though I'm, I'm not an E-Honda guy by far. But I, I always appreciate just, just pulling that one off and just fucking lighting somebody up with it. Uh, I'm not the right person to ask any of these fighting game related questions to. As we learned during fight month, I'm very bad at all fighting <laughs> games. I can't think of now that other than Billy mentioning, I'm going to take you for a ride uh, that I can no longer think of any fighting Go game ahead. songs. That's Go it. ahead. That, uh, that, we're two for two so far. I, I don't, I mean, honestly, I'm trying to think of another fighting game song and I, I really can't not that they don't exist, but I'm not the person who plays a lot of fighting games. Uh, as far as my favorite move, and it's not that it's the most flashy move, but it's the only one that I liked because I could pull it off, was the original Tekken playing as King, doing that throw combo that was like a seven-part throw combo that would basically Mm. wipe everybody out. It's the only, like, flashy move I could do, and at that time when it was brand new, none of my friends were very good at Tekken, so it was like, Mm. as soon as I picked King, they were like, oh no, this asshole's gonna do nothing with this throw move, and that's all all I did over and over again, and it looked awesome, and it sounded great, like, even the, the way you're fingers like slapped on the buttons they knew it was coming ah that was great so for me it's it's that series that king throw combo from tekken one i'm throwing in an honorable mention real quick i'm sorry uh for for music um yoshimitsu's stage music in tekken tag tournament uh it's fucking phenomenal also well you know it it, it's it's not quite as funny and it's not in my head daily so but it, it gets a mention I think for me, like the all-time favorite stage music is Paul's stage in Tekken Three. Ooh, I don't know if that was a remix on the on the PlayStation Two or PS One. No, is it on PS One? It's PS One. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was a remix, but whatever song that is, whatever it's, it is on PlayStation, all-time favorite. Uh, honorable mention is the uh, Third Strike character select screen. Mm. That is another. They're <laughs> all. It's not a, a, a stage or anything. But anytime I hear that, I just smile. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as goofiest thing, uh, I I probably have to go with anytime I would select Dan, I would just make sure that I would. The only thing that I would do that I, my only goal with playing as Dan in an entire round of somebody is to make sure that I could hit them with my taunt, mm-hmm. and that was really it. Besides that, uh, you know, uh, Street Fighter Four Vega has probably the most oh, annoying Jesus. attacks of anything. Sure uh, does. <laughs> there's, there's nothing sure quite does. like making people cry uh, as he makes uh, you know those those lovely little screams as he comes off the wall and and all over the place to to ram somebody or just grab mm. them and throw them across the screen. It's uh, it's ridiculous, and, but it's also it's you know it's it's made Billy hate me at this point. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, things are things are strained ever, for years now. <laughs> that one Street Fighter Four fight night that that just ended <laughs> it all right there for every a, a number of people apparently yes yes uh, so yeah that's my vote uh, but thank you Logan for writing in and we finally got that one uh, next question comes from Plain Mech and he's wanting to know about the direction of the gaming industry hey guys how do you feel about the current direction of the gaming industry triple A titles get huge amounts of money behind them and people eat them up but most seem like they're just hollow clones of the previous open-world or first-person shooter game. Almost no one besides a few indie games are actually pouring their hearts out into their games, I feel. I played a handful of games that I absolutely loved that were almost unheard of, and always wondered how fun, reasonably well-made games went by the wayside. 
Do you guys have any games you wish more people played that are almost unheard of? Am I out of touch, or is it the children that are wrong? It's always the children, <laughs> by the way. Thanks. Yeah. Also, I always listen to Retrovaniacs on Spotify, as does another one of my friends. Uh, Spotify listeners are out there. Yeah. Damn, Thank man. God. Oh, boy. This each is, this one, each one of you, each one of you that reveals themselves, Jeremy gets a little bit stronger. I, it's you uh, know, I had to really <laughs> fight to get this podcast on yeah. Spotify. So, yeah. while well, you guys are out there, let me know. I, as far as the video game industry, I, you know, I, I don't know what's going on in it. It could be fucking burning down for all I like, all I care. Um, I, I you know, I, there's enough stuff that I like being made. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't have a fucking shortage. Uh, of games to pick from and yeah a lot of it is uh you know indie games i'm i'm playing through um yeah but some of my fucking favorite games um of all time are are games that have been released in the last few years uh, you know like cross code um celeste uh, games like that uh I, I just fucking love and it, you know it's from smaller uh studios putting these things out and they're, and they're out everywhere it's not like you know you're having to just you know just on pc or they're, they're only really started they're widely available so i mean that's nice i mean but it's it's just you know triple a titles are going to be uh, we've known for years kind of what what you get with those you get the occasional good one um i i i would assume that fucking you know control would be one right that was that was triple a title isn't it it was big. It was a big publisher, so I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. a big yeah, game. It's a big fucking fuss about it, and it was it was wonderful, wonderful. Um, I you get that every now. I mean, we're playing Metroid Dread now, which is you know one of the, the flagship Nintendo series. Um, and I, it's 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 great so far too. I, there are good AAA games coming out. The majority are not though. Um, you know, but the companies have to make their money, and you know it keeps the fucking. Keeps video game industry afloat, keeps people working. That's fine, you know. Um, but you know, there, there, there are plenty of other places making games I like. Um, so I, I just really focus on that now. I went through the whole phase of getting, you know, kind of frustrated with with shit games being churned out and things like that. But it's like you know, there, there are so many avenues. I could get on Game Pass now and probably find, uh, you know, a, a dozen or more kind of little gems here and there. Uh, that I really have a lot of fun playing. So I, it's, it's it's just a matter of just at this point in time, at this age, at this advanced age I'm at, uh, just ignoring, uh, you know, the, the shit I'm not interested in and, and enjoying the stuff I am. That, that, that's about all you can do. Yeah, I mean, we, we are all playing Metroid Dread, but if you if you bother doing like a Twitter search on it, you'd probably find a hand a, a, a large chunk of folks talking about how it's not worth 60 bucks because it's this simple 2D game. And you're like, what are you guys talking about? This game is incredible. It's one of the best games yeah. I've played in years. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I don't know yet if it's going to be my game of the year because Psychonauts 2 was that good that I still think that oh, might be my favorite. Yeah, but, but still, Metroid Dread, I, it's, it's everything I hoped it would be so far. I'm enjoying it very much. But I'm trying to think if there's any game that I'd recommend that's not well-known. And, and the problem I have is there's so many games that come out, especially, like, on the Switch. Just go to the Switch uh, shop and go to recently released, and there's, like, mm -hmm. 50 new games every day. I don't know how any of these games get seen unless you're one of the, uh, like, lucky ones that manages to get a good review somewhere or one that has a lot of a push behind it by, you know, uh, because you made another game people really cared for. Like, I don't know how people find stuff. I'm trying to think of games I've bought on there uh, on any, you know, random purchase that would be really good, like... 
uh, I on the 3DS because it was on sale, but it was only on sale for like a dollar off. But it was I think a two dollar game normally. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I bought a, a series of games called Gunman Clive, uh, and yeah. those are like yeah. just simple running guns, Contra style stuff, but with like a Western theme, and it looks like it's ha- like pencil drawn. It's a beautiful looking game for what it is. I don't know if many people played those. I mean, there's a sequel, so I guess. Some people played it, but I don't know. I've never heard anyone talk about Gunman Clive, except for uh, Mentheon. Our, one of our listeners, Mentheon, mentioned it. Uh, other than that, uh, I, I think I talked about Lumo a couple weeks ago. It's that kind of isometric 3D uh, Solstice-style game. That's another one. That, I mean, it's been out for a while on every platform, so apparently it did okay, but I'd never heard anyone talk about it except for the person who recommended it to me, and it's great. So, you know, I, I try to find stuff on there, and I'd say 90% of the time, the stuff I buy, I'm like, well, that wasn't even worth the $2 I paid for it. But some of the stuff <laughs> I bought ends up being, you know, really good. I, speaking of the Switch, just picking up a random game, another game I bought because it was on sale for super cheap was a, like an underwater shooter called Earth Atlantis. Again, it looks like it's uh, kind of this hand-drawn sort of look to it, but you're in, uh, you, you can go in all directions, and, and it it's very basic, but it's a very well-made, like, underwater shooter. That's another one I don't know if other people played, and, and I think it's great. So I don't know if I like the way that the industry is and where now I feel like a lot of good stuff is unseen, but I do like that there is a lot of stuff you can find at random, so you can always find, like, a pleasant surprise. That's the best thing about Game Pass, honestly. There's, I think they do a really good job of curating that service as to, you know, if there's an indie game on there that you haven't heard of, it's generally at least going to be pretty fun. Uh, you know, they, they usually put stuff on there like... A, got skatebird uh they got that you know pretty cool little bmx or that uh, rally game that's on there and they've got a whole just a ton of stuff on there that you would never think of the ascent mm-hmm. i don't know if anybody's oh yeah that. that's a good one but it is an awesome like isometric like diablo style action rpg that looks amazing uh, there's a ton of stuff like that but and but you really have to dig to find that's a game that i don't think anyone has as paid attention to i don't think it got any sort of mainstream coverage at all and i think that's the biggest problem with triple a games is that most of the coverage that you get is it revolves around that rather than you know and whatever indie game you you do see is is kind of like the indie game you know flavor of the moment or something Uh, but there's so so much out there that you can just discover and find cozy Mm -hmm. grove great little game oh Uh, yeah that's a nice one and uh you know i i recently found um a lot of the guys that did uh, Alice on 360, uh, Spicy mm-hmm. Horse, it's not them, you know, it's not the, the publisher anymore, but it's a lot of those guys. They did a game called Lost in Random. It got mm. published by Electronic Arts, and that's a great little game. But you, I, I didn't even know it was out. You know, it was just one of those things. I randomly saw a YouTube video, and it was like, here's this. I was like, oh, my God. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know that was out, and it looks amazing. And I played it, and it's awesome. So, yeah, it's it's really hard to just kind of parse through what's out there and I think that's one of the best things I can say about Game Pass is they do a really good job of of weeding out mm-hmm. things that you know aren't maybe not. There's there's plenty of stuff out there that is worth your time, but yeah. what's on Game Pass usually, it, you know, it's pretty good. It might be there, worth there, your time. There's to there's a lot of quality control on there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, the AAA gaming industry is going to keep doing what they're going to do. Uh, we are we're just going to be stuck, you know, doing our own research. I think so. Uh, get out there and and see what. See what looks fun to play. You know, it's, there's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah. That's play, what play, play what you like. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for writing in, Plain Mech. And next question comes up from Spider Rico. And he wants to know if uh, we, we need helper. Hello. I would like to apply for Podcast Man. 
I very funny, make neighbors laugh many times. <laughs> One time I made a dead bird a hat, many laugh. I used to have a Nintendo, many game I play, perhaps you hear of game Alfred Chicken. I know of this, and many other. Ever hear of Zen the Ninja? I know this as well. I could be a big helper. Many other also play very much Mario Twins. They so crazy. Beat up the turtles, but why? Complicated to think maybe Turtle bites him as child. Also had friend with a Sega game. Think football. I don't know of this, but can pretend. <laughs> Please write back. Don't need monies to help you have good job at Kroger. This is just for fun. Listen several times, making you need me. Please hire Spider-Man. Um, yeah. Well, Jeremy P., um, this isn't easy. Um, but, you know, uh, probably step down if you want to. Yeah, I guess this is my um, last show. Uh, next yeah. Next episode, I mean, Spider-Man yeah. will be kicking up uh, all my duties, which is fine. Uh, I think if nothing else, we did prove with that email that we will read anything you send us. So that's good. Um, I don't believe that's an honest, <laughs> an honest question to come work for us. Uh, also, don't just start your own podcast. You should not in any way join this effort. Uh, we're we're quite fine. Yeah, and don't name it Retrovaniac. That's a that's a bad we've choice. Already, we've answered that question before. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you, Spider Rico, uh, for writing in. <laughs> we'll keep your resume uh, handy if we need that. You know, in case just one of us randomly just up and quits one day. Uh, but anyway, our next question. I need a shot after that fucking letter. Um, <laughs> this comes in from the thing that goes bump in the night, and he's wanting to know about October gaming. Greetings, Retrovaniacs. I know you typically cover scary games for the podcast for Halloween month, but even before you guys started the podcast, did you usually find yourselves playing some kind of horror game come October? I know I'm not even the biggest horror fan, but I can't seem to help myself and always end up binge-watching Tales from the Crypt episodes and playing games like Resident Evil and Castlevania whenever this time of the year rolls around. Is it the same for you? It just feels like the right thing to do, L-O-L, in caps. Anyway, thank you as always for the great content. Boo! Oh! Oh, uh, oh shit. Hope no one drove off the road when that happened. If you're listening I, to your I car. apologize. It was in the letter. It was all, you know, cap. Oh my god. Sorry. It's terrifying. Exclamation point at the end. That was very who wrote this the thing that goes bump in the night so well you know. i well you know i was gonna say it was inconsiderate but i ain't fucking as advertised i guess we, we should have known what we were getting yeah. into so you know that, good work i guess then i i fucking october rolls around you gotta do you gotta it's gotta be spooky throughout everything you watch everything you play i, I you know i set aside and usually just play Kind of, kind of horror specific games. Uh, I, I'm classifying Metroid since it has dread in the title. <laughs> you know, it has a kind of ominous feel to it. It's a pretty good game to play through. I also picked up that, uh, that old Alan Wake. Oh, fuck a duck. Yes. Um, I've, I've been excited about that one. Um, uh, I haven't got to play through it any yet. I, it's at the ready. Uh, I just playing through the, the selection of games that we're reviewing here, uh, is great. And, yeah, and as far as movies, I'm fucking I'm I'm doing my one a night. Um and it's, you know, sometimes it's good and you know, then then some nights you're watching Leprechaun 4, the one that takes place in space. So I was going to ask if that's what you were doing this year. 
No. One a night. You know I am. One a night. And I, you know, I watch all the leprechauns. Um, of course. Yeah, I usually skip four. I skip the one in space. It's a bad um, one. But I, I watched it, and it is not even good in a bad movie. It, it's it's bad. It's just bad. All bad. Uh, and you know, and and I'll just randomly pick a few. I'll scroll through Netflix and or whatever or Shutter. Shutter is a big one to have this time of year. Oh yeah, this month um, rocks on Shutter. Yeah. Oh yeah, and you know, just something that looks interesting. Any, any, I'm always interested in any, you know, kind of '80s cult classics that I, I sort of missed. I missed somehow. Um, there are very few of them nowadays, but I, I, I'm always thrilled to see one of those pop up, and I will, I will check that out. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's fucking October. You, you got to do it up. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd say I play a lot of horror games specifically in October. I kind of do those all the time. I'm, I'm a big horror guy anyway. I watch a lot of horror movies yeah, year round. Yeah. Uh, I, I try to focus on it in, in October. I, I don't decide I'm going to watch the, my anthology of Dungeons and Dragons cartoons in October. I'll save that for another month. I, I try to focus on, on horror this month, but I watch it most months. But I will say I watch like the Halloween movies specifically really only in October. Uh, I like to yeah. watch Trick or Treat every year. Uh, then on October, it's a great one too. Mm hmm. There's just a lot of good movies, and you mentioned Shudder. Uh, no, they're not a sponsor, uh, but I've been watching a lot of Shudder as well. And uh, VHS 94, the new VHS movie just came out. It's worlds better than 3. 3 was awful, but uh, well, the first it, two VHSs it wouldn't were take, good. That was a low bar. That, that was, was a very low bar. It's almost as good as 2. It's not quite as good as 2 because 2 has okay. that cult segment, which is the best part of all the VHS movies, but this one's pretty good. Mm -hmm. I did enjoy yeah, it right. start to finish. Um as far as games, yeah, I, I try to at least find one that I haven't finished and really focus on it uh, every year. Uh, if, if 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 nothing else, I'll at least say I played you know this one horror game last year. I think it was a uh, um, the Evil Within. I finally played through the Evil Within last year after having mm. it for several years. And this year, I'll you know I've been playing four for the the podcast, which we'll get to after after this one that I hadn't played before either. So I, I've definitely been focusing on these games this month, but I play them all year round. I will say that, like uh, with Final Fantasy VIII, this is a, a once a year. Jeremy comes up and starts watching uh, American Horror Story, the new season. Oh, it's so bad! <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite times of the year because it's he is every year. It always just ends in tears. And, I mean, but uh, he's he's all in though. He's all in every year. Just like he just someday he's going to love Final Fantasy VIII just as much uh, as American Horror Story. It may not be this year or next year. Or, you know, any years down the road, but goddamn, it's going to happen someday. Uh, just, just like it's probably not going to happen this year. Unlike Final Fantasy VIII, at least every season of American Horror Story starts strong. I'm always like very excited for the first two episodes, and then slowly, <laughs> they just falls into the toilet. I think the problem with American Horror Story is that they have probably three hours total of good content, and then they have to add seven more to make it a full season. So then halfway through the season, there's like musical numbers. They've added new characters and subplots they're never going to talk about. Sometimes they just have aliens show up for no reason. Uh, this season uh, is not good either. It's not terrible. I think the first half of the season was actually pretty good, uh, but the last couple of episodes have been absolutely atrocious, and I don't have a lot of hope that it's going to get any better. Well, unlike these goofballs, I am not quite the uh, the horror fan that, that they are. I enjoy listening or, or hearing about uh, their October adventures, but no, I've even though October and Halloween and, and you know spooky stuff like that is my favorite time of the year, I I've just I, I've never really watched a lot of horror movies or or really spent the month of October playing uh, you know scary games. I I have occasionally. I, I usually play. Uh, 
you know, I did buy Alan Wake this, you know, and I plan to play that. But uh, God, I can't even think of, of what I generally do around this year as far as like games. I thought play what's out, you know. So I'm I'm not that kind of guy. These guys are. They are mm-hmm. they have always been like this. They they are the type that will watch Leprechaun Four and, and generally, you know, be happy about it, even though they say they're not. So, <laughs> That's not one of the that. few that I don't know if I can get through again. It's not good. <laughs> No, uh, yeah. I, I, I won't be back. Not for Leprechaun 4. <laughs> I would thank you for that thing that goes bump in the night. It's nice to hear from you. Anyway, our next uh, question. Oh, fuck. I didn't see this one on here. This one comes from Killy Walliday. Um, <laughs> hey, and, I, like the, I like the sound of this. <laughs> well, I think it's someone we know. Uh, he's writing and say, but seriously, have you listened to the Ace Combat 2 soundtrack yet? <laughs> Why have you not listened to the Ace Combat 2 soundtrack yet? You should listen to the Ace Combat. You know, okay, listen. I'm going to have Jeremy do something here. We're, I'm going to have him put in a 30-second clip of the Ace Combat 2 soundtrack right here, right now, and we're all going to decide if it sounds good. Let's see. I think if any of you just listen to what we listened to for the last 30 seconds. I mean, that was really good. It was yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah. I mean, I fucking, I'm almost ashamed. Because uh, it is true, I had not listened to it un- un- until now. I-, I fucking, I missed out. I got tears in my eyes. I mean, I feel like we are really close to the danger zone right there. That's I, how good it was. <laughs> I, it's good that Ace Combat 2 has that quality uh, music that we can listen to. Iconic. Yeah. Iconic. Yeah. So, so thank you. I, uh, I I feel the need. I feel the need to fucking listen to that again. Damn. Feels like there's like a movie we watch based. Probably Leprechaun Four. Probably. <laughs> uh, but thank you, Quilly Holiday, for writing in. I think we can all agree that Ace Combat Two definitely has the best soundtrack that's ever existed. Mm-hmm. So anyway. I don't know if you guys remember uh, our next uh, question of the guy that wrote in. Uh, this is uh, Dixon Stite, Dixon Sider, <laughs> and uh, this is the the one that got cut off the previous. Oh, okay. Show. I thought this was the one who talked about his sister or something. So no, that's much better. This is much better. No, than no. This is of. we're never reading a question from him again. <laughs> uh, but this is a qu- this is Dixon Sider, and uh, he's writing in about that damn theme song. Theme song. Okay. Part yes. D. Yes. Let me just start off by saying that when I first heard that my last letter was being read, I stopped what I was doing so I could listen with rapt oh. attention. I was giving my dog a bath in the tub, but that could wait while my favorite podcasters read a message from none other than myself. To my horror, I soon realized that my message had been muddled by the internets as my dog jumped out of the tub, shaking dirty dog water all over the fucking bathroom, including mm. my face contorted in despair. I'm embellishing for dramatic effect, though, and simply pleased as fucking punch that you read my letter at all, though it was cut off and misinterpreted. 
Actually, I love the theme song. There we go. I can't seem to figure out one of the lyrics. Life was much easier when blank was my best friend. Please keep up the good work. Stay well. Stay as far the fuck away as you can from semen grandpa's. We try. We try. We just can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. P.S. Can you please get an episode on that damn Slam City with Scotty Pippen for the Sega yeah. CD? <laughs> Come on. Be- okay, now I have a question of this is Come person on. really Billy asking. <laughs> Come on. Slam City. Uh, no, I can't. You know, I, I they're calling for it. I, it, well, most it it's, people- it's beginning. The last time there was a groundswell like this, uh, this reminds me of the great Tiger handheld groundswell from 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 days gone by and we all know how that ended right uh so this 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 can only go as well i'd assume but uh episode 200 good. slam city yeah oh it's scotty pip fucking right um i mean he raps he raps the fucking intro come on i mean I, how could that not be a, a pull for people um to answer the actual question on the lyric the lyric is life was so much easier when rob was my best friend rob being of course, the robotic operating buddy that came with the Nintendo when it first was released here, which we talked about extensively on our Gyromite bonus episode we put up a couple weeks ago. So that that is the lyric. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to spell out R-O-B. I guess that wouldn't fit rhythmically. Also, I have a mush mouth. So uh, it, it is Rob is what you heard there. So, yes, thank you, Dixon. We hope we finally actually answered your question. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully your dog can actually get clean this time. And you can sleep well at night knowing that it is it is Rob and that Jeremy has a, a mushroom. So uh, thank you for finally getting your question. Anyway, our next question comes in from Nate in New York. He wants to know, uh, know about B-Game. A few dozen episodes ago, Jeremy casually mentioned playing one of the Ease games, and it gently stuck in the back of my head until I saw Ease Origin on sale. Fast forward a month or so later, and I have finished Ease Origins. Ease, uh, eight? Ease 8, and I'm currently about an hour into Ease 9. I am fully on board the Ease train. Yes. If these games were movies, they sit comfortably in the B category. Just fun, have all the heart in the world, but just lack the budget and polish studio interference of other AAA games. So my question is this. What are your favorite B or 7 out of 10 games of the last couple of generations? The sloppy, rough gems that may have slipped. I mean, you mentioned Ease oh, 8 oh. and 9, which I think are very good. Uh, I think um, they definitely feel like they are missing a little bit of budget to them, but they are still very charming and enjoyable. Um, like, a lot of things don't have voice acting, and, and there's a lot of, like, things that should. Like, some things do have voice acting, and then later on that same person doesn't for whatever reason. Uh, or maybe that's just translation issues. But either way, um, I did enjoy those two. Uh, I'm trying to think of other games I've played where I was like, this is really good, but also kind of sloppy. I, I mean, like... I don't know if I'd say this is a gem, but like Deadly Premonition 2 is definitely, if you like the first Whoa. one, worth playing. But it is, it feels like it is slapped yeah. together in an hour, despite that it wasn't. Like it is, it is a mess. Uh, but I, but I did enjoy that. That, that almost is like intentionally be though. That's kind of like a, a cheap answer to give. But it's true. When I was playing it the whole time, I was like, they spent fourteen dollars on this game. But I really, I really mm. enjoyed it. Mm. Um, I mean things like, uh. The, I we had talked uh, a while ago about Bloodstained. It was kind of, it was like kind of crowdfunded and came out. It's very much like Symphony of the Night. That one also feels like it's good, but it feels like it also is kind of a low budget game. But it's very well done. Uh, mm. Mega Man Eleven, even though it was by Capcom, felt like Capcom was just like, "You guys want a Mega Man? We'll make you one." It didn't feel like it had a lot of push behind it. Uh, but but that's like. 
I don't know if I, I would say those are just niche titles or not, but I, I think those are those are good examples. But yeah, Deadly Prevention Two is probably the one where I played through it the whole way, start <laughs> to finish, and I was like, man, this game, this game was not ready, but yet I'm glad I played. <laughs> I, I was going to mention the first Deadly Premonition, uh, which I, I still have not played the second. I um, because everyone I know, Jeremy P included, who loved the first one, have told me to wait for a deep sale. <laughs> Yeah. A very deep sale. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm doing. Um, I'm in no rush. Uh, the first one I thought, uh, I, I really love, it, it, it is, it's, it's, I, I like that fucking Binding of Isaac. And yeah, I, it's, it's, it's almost like a fucking top down, you know, Legend of Zelda. I, I think it's rough around the edges in some spots, um, but it, it, it's a wonderful game. Um, and it's, I, I just, I really loved that one for a long fucking time. That is, besides Team Fortress 2, uh, the game I have logged on the Steam the most hours for, which is ah, that's a fucking accomplishment. Um, and God, I'm trying to think of other ones because that's it's it's a hell of a thing. Uh, the the question you posed. Uh, there are other games you know that, that just don't have a lot of polish to them, but are but are charming. I like that fucking that Undertale game. I really enjoyed. I mean, that's about as fucking basic and kind of low budget. Um as you can sort of get, but, but deadly premonition was the, the one that really came to mind. I don't know if that's because it actually plays like that type of film. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the first one for me, um, finding of Isaac and that first deadly premonition, especially. I, some of my favorite, and I can't believe Jeremy P didn't say this is, uh, the no more heroes series. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is uh that is a big old mess of a game just about every time, but, it's got all the heart that you could possibly put into a game. Uh, and and <laughs> I usually end up loving them. You know, it, it takes a, a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears, some, but I, I usually like them a good deal. Um, I really enjoyed back... You know, for me, it's those kind of games that they try to do a lot, but they're just kind of broken a, a lot, and it's easy to kind of break it. I really enjoyed the Force Unleashed for the 360 because that game was almost completely broken. Uh, and it just... Throwing people around and doing weird shit with physics was always fun for me. Um, there was that Half-Life 2 multiplayer thing that was released. I don't even think it... I don't know if it even exists. But you basically got to run around and use the gravity gun and, and throw toilet at each other. <laughs> and stuff like that was just amazing. I love that shit. Now, um, you know. Now, can I mention... Talk, I, I, do you mind if I interject for a moment? No, go ahead. And this was this was part of a big fucking title, um, but even still, it was such an afterthought. And when you talked about janky multiplayer, I'd be remiss if, if I did not mention the Bioshock Two multiplayer. Oh my god! That yeah, okay. Which we, I fucking yes. loved. I, I for some reason, unfortunately, it's probably the best. It's probably the best FPS multiplayer. I, it's probably the one that I'm the best at. And, <laughs> and and it's got, and it's got to be that one. Hours. Like all, yeah, I played it through to the end. There's an ending, and yeah, I got I it. Um, but fucking it, I mean, it was attached to you know one of the most anticipated games of all time, and it was it was such an afterthought. It was so fucking janky. Um, but goddamn, if it didn't have all the charm in the world, and when you were talking about shitty Half Life <laughs> multiplayer, that that came that sprang to mind. I think I dragged you into that a lot of times. Yeah, we uh, we played it a good deal because we were trying to get some of the achievements that were tied to only <laughs> multiplayer, which was bullshit. Uh, you know, there's 
there's definitely games out there that I I enjoy because it's obvious that they have put a lot of heart into it. It may not have come off as, you know, what they wanted to. It's not a big AAA game, even though they're, it's sold as a AAA game. Uh, God, that, that, that last Alone in the Dark. I always make fun of Billy playing the fucking driving section to get the one, the achievements in that. Uh, I was dying. But, yeah, you were literally, literally dying from swine flu. Uh, yeah, but it, 104 game, degree fever. Yeah, and that, somehow I don't I have no memory of that night, but I got that fucking achievement. You got it. But that game, I kind of enjoyed it. I thought it did some cool stuff. Oh, um, and uh, I got it. I got it. Now they're flowing. Fucking le- legendary. Yeah. Um, yeah. You bought that for me on Steam. And I was like, what is this? And I was like, but yeah, it's, it, totally- it's, it's an awesome premise. Um, but it's yeah, it, 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 it needs a little work. And it, one more, if I want to bring in uh, multiplayer 7 out of 10s that are just forgotten. What was that fucking Batman multiplayer game? Gotham, uh, the, Gotham Heroes the, That is the one. Gotham, Gotham City. Gotham City yeah. Imposters. Yes, that's it. That's yes. it. Which, I, which is the second best FPS I've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking loved it. I bought the fucking DLC every time it fucking came out. I, it was just outfits and weapons. I have my son need it. My son and I just were on Steam a while ago, seeing if we could find anybody playing. Um, nobody was home, so we we actually are in a search um, as of last week for you know private Gotham <laughs> City <laughs> imposter servers that we can jump on, just relive the glory. Oh, I love that game. I did. Did do you actually play that one, Jeremy? No, I did not play that one. Oh God damn it! Missed out. Uh, yeah, that one was just a, a a special snowflake. That one came and went, but while it was here, it was so beautiful. It was so. You know, beautiful. I I think the same could be said about a uh, yeah a little game called Mag. Also. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mag best seven out of ten game ever. <laughs> Sons of bitches, cancel that shit. God they damn did. it! It oh. just got a uh, it just got a phenomenal update too. It really uh, did. It did. It I, really. I'll did. never. I'll never forget that, that one of the kill streaks was just a, a fucking guitar riff that played. That's all you needed. That's why I played it. That's why I played the damn game. It was hilarious. Uh, I fucking love that game. And we still bring the we bring these games up fairly often to each other. Yeah, uh, and Jeremy, but, while we're making the my, while we're making the rounds of games we bring up. All right. Uh, what about a little seven? Would you give Mercenaries 2 a 7 out of 10? Oh, God, I would give it the most 7 out of 10 that's ever been given out of a 7 out of 10. But it was, it was, it was the most amazing 7 out of 10 I've ever played. Um, <laughs> the point where we were going around in a monster truck uh, in, in a course <laughs> was yeah. while you were glitching in and out of the ground was uh, <laughs> was very special to the point where we ended up at the last boss, and it was a, uh, what do you call it? What is it? A fucking, it's a quick uh, time event. Quick time event. Uh, the whole boss was a quick time event. It was amazing. That was the worst game I've ever played. <laughs> and I, we've mentioned it before, but that goddamn stage where you had to save the guy on top of the building. And he jumped. And he jumped right off the fucking building after we had tried to do it like 15 times. We should just do a podcast on that. That's our new uh, extra podcast. Describing yeah. our time yeah. playing yeah. Mercenaries 2 over the yeah. course of like a month. Oh, God damn it. But yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, we have, uh, there are a lot of really great B games out there, and I, it, there's just not enough of them these days. 
I, I really miss miss that uh, what is it what they call it double A you know section of games that it was all the rage back on the 360 and, and PS3, but now it seems like it's just kind of either you get your AAA experiences or you get your cool indie games, and I really miss that. I really miss that. Uh, but thank you, Nate in New York. Um, thank you for writing in. That was actually a really great question. And our last question of the night, night is going to come from Seth Wolf, and their question is question. Is their question question? Hey guys, this is probably a question that does not need to be read on the show, but I need help with something. Here don't we go. Write, don't write into the show if you don't want your question read on the show. But anyway, I recently moved from the Midwest out to Maryland and am liking it so far. However, I can't seem to find any gaming stores besides GameStop. I don't really ever go there nowadays unless there's something, something new that I want and don't want to wait the two days for Amazon. Sad, I know. Anyways, I heard one of you mention Lido Pizza on the on this podcast once upon a time, and if I'm not mistaken, that's only found in Maryland. I happen to I happen to live fairly close to one, so I was wondering if there are any good used or retro stores for games in the area that you can recommend. I'm asking this under the assumption that one of you lives or lived near Maryland at one point in time. I'm used to having Disc Replay as my go-to game store. They sell every shrimp, everything from NES or before all the way up to current gen game. Before you guys tell me to quit being lazy and Google that shit, I did, having very little luck. So any help would be appreciated. Thank you. By the way, Billy, we miss you on Twitch. I know it. I just, uh, I, it's just been a series of jobs for me without proper setups. I mean, I can fucking try. I can try. I can try. I, the presentation's not quite going to be there. But old fucking Jeremy P is uh he's gone above and beyond though. Um I think he actually finishes games on his. He doesn't I get do. frustrated and start and, and he doesn't get frustrated and start a new one the next day. Um so he, he's held it down while I try to manage somehow to make a return one day. I'm in no rush though, because it's it's in good hands. Yeah, I I well I don't have a job right now, so I'm playing a lot of Twitch. <laughs> A lot of Twitch during the day. Well, fact, and, and coincidentally, my my high time on there came when I was without work. Also, yeah, seems I, to be a key. It seems to be a key part of it. It really is having a lot of free time. Uh, and right now, with my kids being back in school also means that I don't have people around the house making much of noise during the stream. So it's worked out really well. Um, as far as being in Maryland, that's me. I live in Maryland. I live uh, kind of halfway between Baltimore and DC. Uh, I do love Lido's Pizza. Lido's Pizza is great because they don't cut corners. Thank you, Lido's Pizza. Not a sponsor, but if they want to be, I'd gladly just get paid in pizza. It's fine with me. I, I think, actually, to be fair, I think if, if Jeremy tried Lido's Pizza, uh, Jeremy Gregory, he would hate it. Because it sounds like uh, Lido's Pizza is it's square, and it's got kind of a sweet sauce, and then they put provolone cheese all on the top. And it reminds me of when you complained about, I forgot what style pizza it was, uh, but it wasn't one of the ones you'd think of. It was like St. Louis-style pizza or something. It sounds very similar to what Lido's Pizza is. And I do like it. It's a very Maryland pizza. Uh, as far as gaming stores, there aren't a whole lot in this state that are uh, not GameStops or, you know, uh, Best Buy or whatever you go buy games at. There is a place in Ellicott City called Time Warp Media. If you're looking for a retro gaming store that also sells, I think they have a board game section there too. Uh, that's one uh, that I recommend. Um, there used to be a place called Power Gaming, Power Gamer, uh, that was in, the, in a nearly defunct mall in Glen Burnie, Maryland. Uh, if that's still around, uh, that's pretty good. And there was a place in College Park called Pandora's Cube. Uh, that mainly, I think, dealt more with imports, but they did sell, uh, you know, retro games and stuff there, too. Uh, as far as, like, a large 
store that sells current games and stuff. I, I don't know if there's anything other than GameStops in this area. You know, I actually probably would like Lido's Pizza. I mean, that sounds like something I would enjoy. It was just the cheese on that St. Louis that I don't... It's like cow semen or something. It just... It <laughs> fucking just... The weirdest tasting shit. And I did not enjoy it. I like provolone. And I like sweet tasting... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I I like the, the sweeter tasting... Uh, um, sauce on pizzas, so I, I would probably be down with Lido's, uh, especially if they don't cut corners. They don't. They don't cut corners. Their pizza is square because they don't cut corners. Oh, uh, yeah, if I ever get you out in this area, I will treat you to some Lido's pizza. We'll see what you think. All right. It, it will probably happen. Uh, but anyway, God damn, I think that's going to do it for questions. We've actually got a lot more. We just don't have time to read them. Uh, this is a long episode anyway, and we got a lot of October to go, and uh, I can... Definitely confirm that there are some spooky-ass questions uh, coming down the road. And, uh, you know, if you still want to write in, we'll get to your questions. Uh, hopefully we, we can, you know, just really dig down deep into our souls and get this shit out there. Because we really like hearing from you. And all you got to do to do that is to go to Retrovania.net, scroll all the way down to the bottom. Best contact form you've ever seen. Fill that thing out. Send it in. I will get it somehow through the magic of the internet and then read it on here, like I've done all of these other people. So please, do that. We'll get to your questions. We appreciate everyone writing in. It's awesome, and uh, we love to hear from you. So again, we will, uh, we'll get to you next time. And if not, if we get so many questions we don't know what to do, maybe we'll just end the year, along with our regular episode, with just like two hours of listener mail. That's fine mm -hmm. with me. Whatever it takes. I'm happy that people are sending us questions that aren't all from Philly Bill Day or whatever the name is that time. Uh, but, you know, you're right. Halloween is just starting. We've got another episode coming on our main feed uh, about another major uh, spooky game series. It'll be up by right around October, uh, right around right around Halloween, uh, but we also on our bonus feed. This will be the first month where we're doing three bonus shows because we've hit our required 50-plus patrons for us to do our promised third show. So we've got two game podcasts coming up on our bonus feed on our Patreon along with a movie review, a movie based on a horror game franchise. And all that is available if you join our Patreon. The link is always in the description of the podcast or available on Retrovania.net. And we will see you next time.